And welcome back, everybody, to yet another edition of Going for Two, uh, presented by Home Field Apparel. That's the official podcast of the Extra Points newsletter. I am your host, Matt Brown, publisher of said newsletter. I'm joined here uh, by my colleague, uh, co-host and friend, Brian Fisher. Brian, it's it's been a hell of a week, huh? It has been. Oh, man. Let me tell you, it has been a long week. And uh, but uh, glad the good news is, as, as we come up towards the end of it, uh, it it's a Super Bowl weekend. We, we had the last true football game of, of the, the season now and uh, a lot going on in college athletics, though. And, and, yeah. Listen, it's, it's a Super Bowl weekend. That is is uh, one. The Bengals are in it. The Bengals are in it. The pride of Southern Ohio is in it. Like, I, I don't know what to think. I haven't been engaged with the NFL in like five years, but I was a diehard Bengals fan as a kid. Because the Browns moved away, and my parents told me not to root for the Browns. And now we have a Bengals team that's good, that's led by by an Ohioan, and has Ohio State players in the secondary, and they're interesting. And I don't know, I, I don't know what to do. I feel like my my ability to engage with the sport will change if they suddenly win a Super Bowl. It'd be like the Lions being good. Uh, well, we, that's, that's an unimaginable to think the lines would be good, but, uh, I, I tell you what, it, it's fascinating to see when you go through the Super Bowl week, there's always a, a ton of buildup, obviously with, with two weeks leading into the game and so much focus on these two teams. And what I, I, I found interesting is, is always, how did these teams get there? And, and, and the two very different approaches that they took to get to the big game. And I think there's, you know, some, some lessons certainly from the college athletic sphere that they can kind of take away, obviously with the Browns or with the, with the Bengals. Uh, you have uh, you have a team that's very much a mom and pop shop in the NFL. You know, this is um, maybe the only one left. Truly. I, I mean, truly a mom and pop shop, you know, very small scouting department. Obviously, you, you're talking about coaching staff that is not anywhere near uh, one of the you know larger uh, organizations. So, um, you know, they, they very much do a lot of things in house. This is not a, um, you know, team that even sells their naming rights to their, their stadium. Right. So uh, wow. you know, very different approach to most of the conglomerates around the, the NFL. And then you have the Rams who are obviously made the big splashy move to L.A. and have been continuing to chase, uh, you know, after success. They, they've got the brand new stadium that they're playing at home this weekend. They, they have, uh, you know, a lot going on um, in terms of what the Cronkies have brought to the table with with the organization. Uh, they've traded draft picks away for big stars, which obviously has panned out because they're back in the game and, and favored to win a Super Bowl here. So, um, you know, just very different approaches to running your NFL team and, and building a college football, building, building a football team that I think you can apply to uh, having a college football team, which um, we're going to start to see probably more in the portal nowadays, you know, with, with this era, you got a USC down the road, right? Bring in a bunch of big stars through the transfer portal, Lincoln Riley turning over that roster very quickly versus you have others, you know, through through the recruiting process with high schoolers and, and maybe more established coaches that have been there a long time, um, you know, making sure that they had that development aspect, um, you know, very much like the Bengals. So it, it's been uh, two differing approaches. They've each found success. And, and I would imagine that is going to play out quite a bit uh, in college football, even though we're, we're probably going to end up seeing the same teams uh, there at the end of the day in the college football playoff. Yeah, because because in the the college football and college basketball world, you can't decide to be a low revenue program and just draft a transformational quarterback and wide receiver and, and pick up some other people on the waiver wire the same way. But you're right, and honestly, that's one of the things about college athletics that's it's been interesting to me as a fan because when you have so many different levels of resource, you have you have schools that are have different missions, different profiles, or different geographies. You can't build your program the same way. You know, th this week, I, I think we're, we'll get a chance to maybe learn a little, or based on what happened this week, 
we'll get a chance to see another program that's going to have to build things in maybe a, a less traditional way. We had um, a new entrant into Division One. Uh, you may have missed this earlier. I'm looking at the, the other stories we haven't had a chance to really write or talk about, but the Ohio Valley Conference earlier this week announced a new member, the uh, University of Southern Indiana Screaming Eagles, a, a longtime uh, Division II, uh, very quality basketball program, has announced that they're going to reclassify and join. And that's you know, that's, that's a big deal for anybody that is um, paying a lot of attention to one tri- to you know one AAA align- uh, realignment, uh, Ohio Valley has been uh, picked apart by, by a couple of other different leagues. They're right there on the uh, – they still need to add other programs, especially programs that play FCS football, which Southern Indiana does not if they want to retain their auto bid. But this could be the start of uh, maybe a run of, of different teams deciding to join this league and give them a little bit more stability. You know, Unlike maybe some other Division II institutions, you're bringing up an established winner um, there's some really good basketball facilities, better than a lot of other Division One institutions. And, you know, coming from a state that knows a thing or two about basketball success. You're right. And, and it, it's interesting, that point in particular, having those better facilities, because I think the uh, move to D1 for, uh, you know, Southern Indiana is is going to put a lot of pressure on Evansville. They're, they're obviously, you know, co-located in, in the same town there. But yeah. um, you talk about kind of splitting dollars in a, in a smaller market. Now that there's multiple D1 programs, you know, kind of in town or, or kind of on the outskirts of town, um, that, that's going to be a fascinating thing to kind of keep an eye on. Um, you know, as the uh, kind of up and comer has has the the bigger um, you know kind of attention put on it, as, as, with that move to D one, you know, what does that do for the local dollars? What does that do for sponsorships? Um, not just at at the athletics level, but uh, kind of go back through yeah. uh, at at the school level. You know, how, how is that going to affect students? You know, kind of coming into that region or uh, maybe exiting that region. You know, are you are you going to stay home and and go to Evansville or or uh, go somewhere else? You know, I think that's going to be um, you know pretty pretty interesting to see um, with this move is just kind of the, the second order effects uh, that, that come from uh, Southern Indiana moving up. Yeah. I mean, Evansville's not that big of a city. It's, I don't know. It's a little bit more about a hundred thousand people. Um, there, one's a public school, one's a private school. One's drawing, you know, they're, they're drawing students from different places. Evansville has been one of the, uh, a couple of Missouri Valley conference programs that's been uh, struggling with enrollment. And, and, and that was part of the reason why the Missouri Valley was looking at adding other schools in more urban markets, you know, not just to help recruit better basketball players to be a really good um, mid-major league, but to help uh, recruit students. Um, and, and now you have a, a, a different program coming in. I, I mean, I think it's great for the OVC. Um, it is hard to, I think, establish expansion teams uh, in college athletics or, or bringing in a school that's really new, that doesn't have a tradition, that doesn't have engaged students and hoping that you can build that over decades like you did with UCF, um, th- that's very difficult to do. A lot of schools are trying to do that. If you already have a fan base, if you already know you, you're going to get four or 5,000 people to come to a game and you know a little bit about what it takes to win in a league that's now, I mean, no disrespect to any of the other OVC basketball teams in there with, with Murray and Belmont leaving, you can win that league. Like it, It's not like the Cleveland Cavaliers are playing in that league right now. This, this, uh, this, this, is, a, this is a positive thing. Um, maybe not so positive... Uh, going, looking you know, a little bit down the road uh, in the Midwest. This is a story I, I, I don't want to say too much about right now because I, I am writing about it on Monday and I've been on the phone about this a lot. But I, I assume, Brian, you've seen uh, what's happening in my neck of the woods here in Chicago with UIC, right? 
Absolutely. And, and I think it's, it's important to kind of take a step back and, and say just at, with this Friday podcast, we, we do want to kind of discuss some of the, the larger issues uh, you know going on that, that you may have seen on D1 Ticker. Some of the top 10 stories, you'll, you'll get that list on Friday as well, um, you know, probably after this, this uh, podcast gets released. But some of the hot button topics uh, really across college athletics has been uh, like UIC, um, obviously related to the OVC, just schools kind of saying, you know what, you're, you're headed out of this league. Absolutely not. You're not going to compete in our, our championships. And, you know, really, I think the the furor over this started way back when the CAA did it with JMU leaving and all that. But it seems like it, it, it's kind of cascaded uh, to pretty much anybody at the kind of FCS one, one AAA level uh, saying, you know what, we're, we're going to skip you out on, on uh, conference championship week. And uh, that, that's affecting a lot of schools and a lot of conference athletes. And I, I think a lot of people are, are, are rightly up in arms about it, um, you know, starting with UIC and, and beyond. Yeah, I mean, so I, I do think it's fair to say that the the norms around changing conferences have changed a little bit. It, it used to be, really not that long ago, anybody leaving and giving six months notice would be considered a major faux pas. Like, almost always you gave more than a year's notice. Uh, and, and part of that was because some of these and some of these conferences, particularly at the low and mid-major levels, would set their conference schedules for all sports like three years in advance. So anybody leaving it becomes a gigantic logistical um, hurdle to, to, to redo everything. That's not as much the case now virtually everywhere. Um, I've talked to, to, to folks here at UIC. I've talked to people at Stony Brook who are, who are going through this. And even though we've seen an uptick in this behavior, it's still not the norm. Uh, I believe 18 leagues over the last year or two have, have now have changed membership. Only three of them have actually uh, enforced this kind of rule, even though it's been on the, it's in the bylaws in a couple other places. It's the sort of thing that presidents don't have to enforce if they, if they don't, if they don't want to. And it's one thing if you're Texas and Oklahoma, where there's like a bajillion dollars at stake with broadcast rights. And it makes sense that you would fight about that a little bit more. It's not the case in the horizon league. <laughs> like there's, there's not a ton of money. Uh, UIC men's basketball, they're the, the flagship sport of this league. I don't mean to disrespect anybody there. They're having a tough season. It's, it's not like you really have to worry about them stealing a bid and, and walking out the door on the way out. You, you'll have to worry about that in some other sports, but but not so much men's, men's basketball. Um, as best as I can tell, a lot of this is really being driven by spite. And with the Colonial, if we're, if we're being honest here, um, I saw that coming. And that was a league where, uh, you know, and I even reported this last year, maybe not everybody got along all of the time. And, and there were some big personalities and it was there were some hurt feelings about JMU's decision, even though um, everyone kind of knew that this was going to happen eventually. But that wasn't really the case, or at least not widely known to be the case with American East as a new uh, commissioner, Horizon League as a relatively new commissioner. There's been changeover on the president side for both of those. Like I can tell you, UIC was not expecting this. Um, so you're going to hear more about it on, on Monday talk to a bunch of athletes. I'm, I'm trying to talk to a bunch of the presidents. If you're listening to this and maybe you want to explain uh, why you think this is a good idea, I'd be more than happy to talk to you. But um, from my vantage point right now, based on the information that I have, it looks extremely small for anybody that professes to be in this, in this industry for the benefit of college athletes. Cause like no one's getting, no one's really getting rich off of, or getting you know, generational wealth from horizon league sports. Um, if you're going to say, like, I'm in this to help college athletes, you can't defend what's happened the past week um, because the only people that are getting hurt are not the people that made those decisions. It's a bunch of swimmers who, you know, 
didn't know the Missouri Valley Conference from the big Midwest two weeks ago. I mean, that, that is the biggest point that, that I take away from, from kind of the pettiness, as you said, is it's just that the, these same people that are turning around and voting this way to, to enforce this are going to go and say, well, we, we want to invest in our student athletes. We, we want to make sure that their experience is, is so great. And then they end up doing this to, to other institutions, athletes. And I think that's where a lot of the anger, a lot of the fear kind of comes around, especially on short notice when, when you get a lot of these um, athletes that, uh, you know, yeah, they, they have no control over where, where their school is going to or, or why they're they're leaving. They, they just yeah. want to eat. And now they're left without out an opportunity. And honestly, I, I think it gives more of a headache, you know, for the Horizon League and the CAA and everybody else. Um, just knowing that uh, you kind of got to replace these teams, you got to deal with, you know, missing buys and, and missing inventory. Um, yeah. you know, we're dealing with that with TV. And so it's like, I, you know, just why, why are you taking on this, this extra headache? I, I, I understand you're upset that the schools are leaving, but you know what, that, that is just life now in, in college athletics schools are going to leave. You know? Yeah. Who what? in the horizon league wouldn't have taken that, that a chance to go to the Missouri Valley. And, and, you know, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more next week. Maybe some of those other teams on the horizon tried to join the Missouri Valley uh, and would have done the exact same thing had the opportunity uh, presented itself. It's, it's not like low major and mid major realignment happens on a timeline that allows you to give 18 months notice, right? It's, nobody knew what the Missouri Valley was going to need anybody new in January. These things happen relatively quickly. And, and because they're such a small pool of candidates that you have yeah. to recruit to replace them, you know, is, is that going to give the the new membership coming in who maybe might be deciding between your league and another, does that give them a little bit of a pause to hey, say, I, yeah. I really want to join a league that, that has these quote unquote shared values, but they're not really shared value with us because we're coming in and we do value that student athlete experience. And you know what? This, this conference is proving by their actions that they're really not. And so I, I think that's yeah. part of it. I can tell you reported, like not just me speculating. I could tell you because people have told me this. That matters. It's mattered for other leagues that are looking to, to add somebody. Because right now, like eight friggin' Division One conferences are hunting for membership. And when you're in a league like the Horizon or the Southland or the A-Sun where people don't have unlimited budgets, you're right. There's like eight schools, max, Division One or Division Two that fit that geographic footprint and like have the baseline amount of money. Um, just like, I, I know it's been a while, I think, since either of us have, have, have dated, but if you went on a first date with somebody and they spent a lot of that time talking about how crazy all of their exes were and, and, and breaking down how their previous relationships ended poorly at the end of that date, would you be as excited about going on a second one? Like that would raise, it would raise a red flag for me, you know? And, yeah, and, and it, it's a similar, I mean, it's, it's not, that's not a perfect analogy, but it's a similar line of thinking here. You don't, you, you don't necessarily join a conference envisioning how you're going to leave it. But if you can see how, Hey, this is what happens when there's an emotional disagreement that could happen to me at some point, I can't predict the future. And, and I think it's just kind of reinforces too, that there is so much more movement upcoming, you know, kind of at, yeah. at the lower levels because of really everything going on in division one and in the upcoming transformation with that. I know a lot of folks are concerned about money, obviously, and, and that's a driver in a lot of these decisions. But, you know, I think it's, it's also in terms of, you know, can you get those, those schools that are like-minded in, in the same region? You know, I think a little bit more 
realignment in terms of the actual geographic locations is, is, is helpful for a lot of these leagues as well, um, you know, to save on travel costs. Make sure that, you know, you, you're kind of recruiting from the same stool, uh, school uh, of, of uh, students. So I think there's there's a lot going on at the lower levels. And then this is just kind of one of the big red flags I think that you're, you're going to see um, and, and hopefully is, is not repeated. You, you don't you don't see anything like this at the FBS level. And, there, and there's a reason for that. Uh, I would think that eventually some of these conferences, maybe they, they understand the heat that they're getting, uh, you know, the the feedback they're getting from alumni, from fans, from donors, from uh, their fellow school presidents will, will ultimately cause them to kind of change their mind. But, um, you know, we'll see in the short term because it, it's introducing a lot of headaches and, and a lot of furor around, I think, college athletics, even from people that are not connected to the Horizon League or not connected to uh, schools like UIC. You know, they're upset for them. And I think sure. that's going to continue. Well, I mean, you, you did touch on something I think that's important. I think you're right. We haven't seen a situation exactly like this play off at the play out at the FBS level, but but let's be very clear about something. Because if there's one lesson we've learned from the past couple of days, by God, it's that anger and pettiness and small-mindedness and plain old provincial stupidness is not a domain limited to mid-majors. Brian, can you tell me what the hell's been going on at Auburn? Well, I mean, the the most fascinating situation imaginable, right, with, with Auburn going on now is is you have uh, Brian Harson being staked out at the airport. You have Brian Harson state being staked out outside SEC meetings. Like, uh, let, me, let, me, let me very quickly interrupt you, just for the listener. We are recording this Thursday afternoon, so the answer to the question, "What the hell is happening at Auburn?" by the time you listen to this, could theoretically be be different. Let's uh, that that context. Please continue. You're right. The man was being staked out at the airport or the and, and the coaches meeting today. Why was and he being staked out? Only in the SEC, right? Does does that end up happening, right? When 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 a coach yeah. is under fire and you have statements being issued by school school leadership, you have you know random general policies being enacted about cooperating with uh, investigations popping up on school websites, you know, the, magically the day uh, the coach returns from vacation. I mean, it it, it is all just a a heap of trouble, you know, for, for Brian Harson and Auburn as they try to sort things out. Obviously there is a wide expectation that eventually he's going to get fired. The whole question I think surrounding the whole situation is how much money is he going to end up being paid? Is it going to be for cause? Is it for not? But yeah. I, this is just another long drama that's being played out in real time in the SEC that I think everybody is understands where the logical conclusion is going to be, but the, the road to get there is, is fascinating and filled with twists and turns as we saw this week. Yeah, help me here if and, and please yeah interrupt me or or, or drag me back here if, if I'm off course. But because SEC booster is not my first language, and so I'm trying to kind of read in between and and, and what, what I'm seeing here. But if I'm my, my assumptions are correct, this Mr. Harson not a great fit at Auburn for several different reasons: cultural, rec- uh, talent acquisition, recruiting. Uh, was walking into a situation where he wasn't the first, second, or third choice from some of the money or, or political power behind the school. Um, his athletic director is not somebody who's seen as likely to be there for the next 20 years at, or someone who could kind of absorb all, all, of, the, all of those issues. You can get through those, those sort of things if you win, and Auburn went six and seven. Maybe he, and, and maybe he wasn't the most uh, congenial guy at, at the country club. Then you have an exodus in the transfer portal and also with coaches. And then you have some message boardy kind of rumors about um, uh, impropriety that would allow an athletic department to fire somebody for cause. 
And so as I then there's a gigantic investigation. They're interviewing dozens and dozens of people. And my read on this is after you've done those interviews and you've brought in the president of the university and you've done this gigantic thing and you don't have the goods to immediately fire the guy for cause, those goods might not be there. And so I wouldn't could not blame uh, Harson for saying, I'm going to stay in Mexico. And if you want to fire me, you have to owe me my entire buyout, which is which is a lot of money. And it's and and now, yeah, we're, we're, we're playing out the string because like you can't really go into next season, particularly when you when you and, and this is like my, my friend Richard Johnson at Sports Illustrated pointed this out to me. There's an amazing recruiting class in the state of Alabama this year, like way more top 100 you know, caliber kids, not just four stars, but high four stars. So you can't go into this year in this hyper competitive world with a coach who has no friends, who has no administrative or political support and isn't that great of a recruiter. But now you're trying to figure out how to not cut the check. And the longer this goes on, the dumber it becomes. Do, do I have to gist of this right? Is, is this like the world's dumbest soap opera? We all know the ending, but we need to wait for something very stupid to happen before we get there. Well, that doesn't sum it up. I, I don't know what does, but I, I mean, the damn legal, baby. The, the fact is, you know, this started way basically from his hiring. You know, this yeah. is a struggle between the Auburn boosters and really the athletic department led by, by A.D. Allen Green has been going on for a while, you know, and kind of sitting on the backdrop to what has been happening on the field with the Tigers. And look, it was not a great season. I think everybody kind of expected that with coaching transition, obviously a lot of roster turnover. You know, it, it was not expected to be kind of the greatest Auburn season ever, but a lot of people expected better than, you know, kind of the 500 record that they were hovering around for most of the year. Right. And that just kind of exacerbated ever, all the issues there is, is the on-field product was not great. The recruiting was not going great, you know, especially in his first full recruiting class. You, you would expect being Auburn, being having that history of success, you could recruit a lot of great athletes going to Georgia, going to Florida, going, um, you know, certainly your, your backyard in, in, in uh, Alabama there, going to Louisiana occasionally. Um, you have a great talent base there and you expect the recruiting to kind of be up there amongst your SEC peers, right? You're battling the number one class in, in Texas A&M in, in the West. You're battling Georgia uh, on a yearly basis. You're battling Alabama and obviously seeing those three classes up at the top of just about every recruiting ranking. And you're sitting down there, you know, kind of middle of the pack for the SEC. That that That's tough to stomach for a lot of Auburn boosters. And that just kind of added two things where it kind of came to a head on, on, on kind of the week of signing day saying, you know what, we're, we're going to get left behind. And if, if we keep Brian Harson in charge, and I think that's, you know, there's, there's a lot else going on uh, between those, those power struggles between the boosters and ultimately who hired, um, you know, Brian Harson, but you throw in a presidential change where a lot of boosters are trying to kind of reassert themselves in terms of control of the university, that new president search conveniently just got uh, wrapped up with, with a board meeting this, this past week. So there's a new president coming in, uh, you know, in, in May, I believe it is. So it's like th there's a whole lot going on and a whole lot of chaos between power struggles, between uh, a very hands-on booster culture at, at Auburn. And uh, <laughs> yes, that, that is definitely one way you could phrase it. It is, it is hands-on and it's engaged. Engaged. Yes. That, that is definitely what the, the word I would, I would definitely use. And so you, you add all that together with what is kind of going on in, in terms of the general football program, 
set against the backdrop of a school that is doing so much successfully on the yeah. athletics front. They're doing the so. Other, they're the best men's basketball team, or I mean, or one of the five best teams in men's basketball. Yeah. In line for a number one seed in basketball, you have uh, Sunisa Lee, you know, a gold medalist running the gymnastics program, which is obviously a huge deal at, at Auburn, you know, kind of beyond, you know, having a gold medalist, uh, you know, doing the floor routine or whatnot for you, you know, like that they, they love that sport down there. Um, take it real seriously. You have, you know, uh, baseball coming up, softball coming up. You have some of those other sports that, that Auburn folks really enjoy, you know, watching in terms of the, the Olympic sports and uh, set against the backdrop of a football team. Really the one thing that has not gotten a lot of success lately um but that's what what a lot of those boosters care about obviously it, it is the focal point of of their saturdays and not just their falls but their their entire you know school calendar you know 365 and so it, it's a fascinating situation to watch and it leads to us kind of camping outside of sec winter meetings uh it says coaches roll up and in, into into cars and, and get out and uh not say anything at all but it's, it's been a fascinating look at at how things kind of play out in front of you and when a school does not have their ducks all lined up in a row, ready to go. Um, things like this can happen. I feel like we were just talking about this before we got on the air, that maybe in the next week or two, whenever this has reached some sort of resolution in some capacity, maybe we should do an Auburn Explained, um, given that it is on fire in a way that is uh, similar, but also very distinctly different from Louisville. I mean, you mentioned Louisville, but like Auburn, it takes things to an entirely different level. I mean, go back to when they tried to hire Bobby Petrino back in the day and, the, you know, they're sending jets and like their fans kept out at the airport. Like, and I mean, how many how many other boosters and would you know, like just kind of off the top of your head from the SEC that you, you can instantly kind of conjure? Uh, other than like Auburn's Bobby Louder, you know, like like that, that's a name like a lot of people would know that it may be just in passing if you're a college football fan of the last couple of years. And that, that only happens at Auburn. Like, are, are you really knowing some of the, the real down into details boosters there at Alabama or, um, you know, Texas or well, maybe Texas is a bad idea. Just <laughs> <laughs> Texas yeah. and Louisville, maybe, but, but no, it, it, it's a good point. I went to Ohio State and. I can name two or three gigantic university boosters. You know, one of them was Les Wexner, who, you know, should be or might be or could be in federal prison. Um, and there's the Schottensteins. And then that's that's about it. Like the kind of people that, that give the school 400 grand with the athletic department on the regular basis. They're not the kinds of people that you just know in Columbus. Um, well, the same same just in that in that region. Are, do you, are you hearing a ton about Florida boosters right now? Are you hearing a ton about the, the Georgia boosters right now? No, you, you don't have those kind of names off the top of your mind that, you know, uh, other than than the place at all. And yeah, they're more professional about it. The wild thing to me, too, is just how much they've been able to overcome this lack of alignment to have so much success in football. You know, they, they've played for national titles. They've won national titles. And, and really, they haven't had maybe true alignment from the president to the AD to the head coach since Pat died, maybe like, like that era, that that's how far you kind of have to go back into the early nineties. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that is the most amazing thing about Auburn. It's just, they've had a lot of success in spite of what they've been able to do. And, and in spite of all the off field fighting that's gone on with the boosters in, in the athletic department. I'd like to manifest something here real quick. I think I have a solution to this problem because what Auburn needs is a man to be able to step in there who has credibility among all factions of this program all factions in their community, someone who could step in there and quite frankly, also unite the country. Somebody who nationwide America would be very excited to come back to see in that spot. It's time to bring back Tommy Tuberville. Let's, 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 let's do it. We need, we need some, some six to four, six to two kind of games. 
uh, we'll have another special election and we'll bring somebody else in uh, to take his Senate seat. I am honestly surprised that he has not been asked about the situation at Auburn. Just, I mean, maybe that's just the disconnect between those in DC and what, you know, what's kind of occurring in, in, in the state. But man, I, I really want some political reporter go ask Senator Tubbs, what's, what are, what are your thoughts going on at Auburn? Yeah. Tell me, you know, honestly, that's a great idea. And, and, um, I would do that if his office didn't follow me on Twitter and have seen the, some of the things that I've said about him. I, I, I will say, like, I have made it an honest-to-God goal to be less explicitly partisan on Twitter because no one likes being lectured to, and, you know, it it, it it limits the audience for the stuff I'm trying to do otherwise. But I will never stop making fun of him. Um and 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 that it will probably have to be somebody else <laughs> that gets the good football quote out of that guy. Let me tell you something though. We talked a lot at the beginning of this show about um, dumpster fires, uh, places where there's a lot of bad feelings and anger and frustration, and, and things change all the time. Let me tell you all real quickly about a story that will make you feel happy, content, maybe warm and soft and snuggly. That's right, folks. I'm talking about Home Field Apparel, the title sponsor of this podcast, the maker of extremely soft and comfortable T-shirts and sweatpants and hoodies with your favorite official licensed collegiate logos uh, that uh, are conversation pieces that are, are not just functional, but really tie uh, your entire wardrobe together. Uh, today, uh, like, like most days, uh, when I'm not required to wear a suit, I'm wearing a Home Field T-shirt. I'm wearing blaster the mascot for the Colorado School of Mines. We've got, is that is that Butler? That's the Butler Bulldog, yeah, I guess it is. A, that's a good dog. That's a good dog. And this is probably a good, I mean, I don't think this one has the dynamite. I'm sure he's a good donkey. I've never been to the Colorado School of Mines. I've never been to Colorado, actually. But it's a great shirt. And it's a donkey that sometimes has a stick of dynamite in it, which is exactly the kind of thing that I want to associate, not just with my corporate self, but myself as a human being. Um, Brad, do you remember who Homefield's adding this week? I believe that it would be NC State, which I am excited to watch. I, I see the, the entire collection because just seeing the, the, the bits and pieces that, that I have, I'm, I'm excited. And it's, it's one reason why I've kind of delayed another order is to see what's what's going on this weekend. Yeah, this is I, I don't want to exaggerate, but I think it's NC State's biggest win in 20 years to, to finally get added to uh, to Homefield. Um yeah, my name is Brinson at CBS Sports. Huge. <laughs> He's covering the Super Bowl this weekend. He, he was actually on the home field. Uh, they, they did an audio thing on, on Thursday. But, like, I know, like, he's going to be trying to prepare for the game and, and all excited. But I just know he's going to drop, like, $500 on, on this collection. On yeah. Well. yeah. The only reason I have I have not ordered any for this uh, is because I know what some of the schools are coming next. And I, I, I uh, we – the, the, the latest bag has not dropped for this podcast. And so I, I need to like, well, I, I, this is, I'm sure this is great. It's going to have a, a, what the horny cartoon wolf uh, on everything, which of course, what everybody needs uh, on all of their clothes, but there are some absolute bangers coming, particularly if you're maybe in my part of the country, uh, maybe, maybe a program or two, you might be, you might be very interested in. Um, so if you're an NC state fan, or you want to give a gift for an NC state fan in your life or a South Carolina fan or a Gonzaga fan or a Cincinnati fan or a, Colorado School of Mines fam, you can go over to homefieldapparel.com and, uh, and and get your stuff and then use promo code extra points. Because if you're one of like the six weirdos on the internet that loves our kind of show but doesn't have any home field stuff yet, you use that code, you can save 15% off your first order. You get that same stuff sent to you cheaper. It's a pretty good deal, right? Absolutely. It, it's a great deal. It's a, such a good deal that uh, a few of my, my wife's coworkers have been seeing her 
walk into the office with some of the home field stuff that she has stolen and they, they went in on it. So I said, make sure you use that promo code, get 15% off your order because it is a, not only a lifesaver in terms of saving yourself a little bit of dough when, when that, uh, that order sheet kind of starts racking up, but um, you're, you're going to end up going back and uh, for, for more because the, the, the collections continue to expand. And even if you're not a you know, fan of a particular school, the logos are just so dang that uh, you're, you're going to want some more. Yeah. So look, I'll, I'll be honest. I shouldn't say this, but um, we're happy to uh, talk about your product or your program or your, or, you know, or, or is it what you, what you would like to advertise here. Just shoot an email to sales uh, at extrapointsmb.com and I'll, I'll be happy to send you a rate card. But um, this is something I'm more than happy to shill, even though, even if they weren't giving me money uh, because they've been such good friends with uh, for, for me and, and for many of my colleagues uh, and they, they make really good stuff. Um, so it, it is, it is, it is, it is from the heart, uh, not just because there was a contract involved. Um, it's important to use that extra code, that offer code, and try to save a little bit of money because um, I, I think you also noted this this week too, Brian. Uh, all the athletic department budgets are coming in, and it looks like most people, uh, as we all expected, did not make nearly as much money as they normally would have last year. I can't possibly imagine why. Uh, but maybe we're all trying to clip a couple coupons right now. Shocking, right? That, uh, you know, as we kind of come out of the pandemic and look, you know, it's, it's important to kind of go back for those who maybe are not aware of how the finances work with college athletics. A lot of it's done in the, on the fiscal year, That's you know, right. July to July. So, you know, it's like um, basically your, your full season, you know, kind of worth of accounting, which obviously kind of clips kind of two parts of the pandemic and really when we're, those restrictions for and tickets and, and all that are kind of on, on both ends. So a lot of, a lot of people school, you know, in, in, in the red, obviously the, the thing that catches my eye when seeing these numbers and yeah, there's a lot of tough times, a lot of jobs were lost, you know, a lot of tough decisions were made for a lot of these athletic departments was just how much were these schools really providing some support, whether it's loans, whether it's, you know, truly direct institutional support, student fees and whatnot yeah. um, that were given over to the athletic departments. And, and that's something you're still going to have to sort out uh, as we kind of get through these these FRS reports. And you can even catch a, a database, I believe, at uh, at extra points uh, yeah. as well. That's that's right. So um, last couple of fiscal years, we've got almost everybody on there uh, this year in an effort to both make the site a little bit easier to navigate and also cut back on the amount of time, like data entry time I have to do. The fiscal year 21 FRS reports are in a big Google Drive. I'll, I'll throw in a link in the show notes, but you can find that at extrapointsmb.com. Um, we have, I think, about 70 of them. We have most of the Power Five, and I'm working on tracking down a couple of uh, of low majors. Hey, if, you know, if you're a compliance or an athletic department person listening to this, you, you could save me the trouble of filing a FOIA. Just send it to me. Um, it's not like we're here to embarrass you. I, I maintain that database primarily to help graduate students and academics conduct research. And it, it is your, your, Brian, your, your point is definitely well met. Looking to these reports, you can definitely see a lot of schools that got significant amounts of money uh, listed as direct institutional support. Some of that was couldn't sell tickets. Um, money had to come from somewhere. We, 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 because even when you can't sell tickets, many of your athletic department costs are still fixed. You still got to pay the proverbial mortgage on the facilities you built seven years ago. You didn't really fire the coaches. You didn't fire the athletic trainers. You may not have to spend as much money on buses, but a lot of the other staff and the facilities and everything, you have to pay either way. So if the money's not coming in, you have to, you have to get it from somewhere. I, I do think it's important as people look through these reports, which they should. They're useful, important documents. They're the closest thing that we have to apples to apples athletic department comparisons. 
But as, as my friend Katie Davis, who's a CPA that's helped out uh, Extra Points and helped out D1 Ticker a lot, breaking these things down, just because they're the closest thing to apples and apples doesn't make them apples to apples. I, I think the term Katie likes to use is they're really apples to rocket ships. Um, one reason for that is the phrase direct institutional support can mean a bunch of different things. It might mean, Brian, I guess you alluded to, literally the university's you know, central office cutting a check. Uh, or forgiving a loan, like we saw with Cal, for example, right? I believe this happened with Arizona State. Uh, it might mean student fees. It might mean that um, some of the facilities or fixed, like the, the, the cost of the electricity in the locker room, maybe that came from central office rather than because it's been the athletic department. Sometimes it isn't money at all. Sometimes it's completely paper money that, that comes from the licensing, from some stuff that's sold in the university bookstore, or the price difference between an athletic scholarship who's in-state versus out-of-state. Uh, and there's no way of knowing for sure unless you called somebody up and asked. And maybe they don't even know. So I, I think these are important to look at. We can, we can do some very broad storylines. And you're right. Uh, this was a hard year financially for a lot of schools. But to get really granular into it requires more than just the report. But we still want to have the report. Does that make sense? I mean, even in non-pandemic years, you know, you there's there's fuzzy math going on, as, as they like to uh, term it. You know, like, yeah. you know, you can make things appear how you want a lot of times with college athletics finances. I mean, let's face it. Yep. Look at scholarship costs, right? A lot of schools account for those scholarships being coming from the athletics fund being sent to the university. Well, guess what? A lot of that ends up coming back to the athletic department from direct institutional support, student fees, et cetera, et cetera. So like, you know, there's a little bit of a circular money tree kind of going on there. You know, you can change donations and, and obviously you have certain endowment things that, that end up, uh, you know, applying to coaching staff positions and coaching staff salaries. Like there's a whole host of things that, that are going on surrounding athletic department finances really makes for fascinating reading. As you, as you mentioned, talking with folks about what they end up doing at, at their schools. And, and the fact of the matter is, Every school does things differently. You would think there would be some standardization practices kind of going on across, you know, the entire Pac-12 or the entire SEC or. Yeah. <laughs> nope. It's not how this industry works for most things. Nobody likes those eggheads from Berkeley telling us how to run our campus. Not here in Arizona. No, you're, you're, you're right. It is. It is. Um, and if you've worked on a campus too, you know that yeah. things might be different from what happens in your department compared to the the building right across the street, right? You know, like they might yeah. do accounting entirely different, like, and that's just you know, kind of the fact of life now at universities. And it, it, there are some apples to apples comparisons that you can make. You can certainly take some of the broader numbers and kind of take a look at how the health, how healthy are these athletic departments. But you know, the bottom line is it's such a unique industry because a lot of times. If you're short $20 million, guess what? You can go out to a booster and they can write a check and that $20 million hole is, is suddenly taken care of. Maybe less so this past year with all the pandemic stuff where you're simply short, you know, 50, $60 million in the case of some of these power five programs in terms of ticket sales. Yeah. You know, that that's a hole that you're not going to get back. And that's why there has been some, some schools that have provided that support to athletic departments. Uh, Iowa, you know, you know, comes to mind as well as, as one of the schools that you know did end up kind of taking care of that athletic department. But um, it's just kind of fascinating to see some of those little kind of details that come out of these reports, um, you know, like Arizona State getting some 60 plus million dollars from their school. And why did they do that? They refinanced some loans, you know, with lower interest rates, you know, and, yeah. and that's how they kind of came up with the money, which is kind of fascinating to kind of think about from a larger picture, picture standpoint. 
I want to say Arkansas ended up doing something like that too. Like I, I, I can tell you that uh, Andy, Andy Wittry and I, uh, honestly, probably mostly Andy, are, are going through the reports that we have to tease out maybe some some different insights beyond just the pandemic. And one of the cool things about these reports that they do tell you, they break down fundraising numbers and endowment scholarship numbers by sport. So you can get an idea for who is cutting a check specifically to the track team. And we, one of the things we're hoping to do is, is to get an idea for like, who are the random rich track teams? Uh, or or who, are the, who are the Olympic sport programs that do a really good job doing external development versus the, the ones that, that don't and have to realize? Because some people just write a check to the athletic department, right? But others are like adamant, like, you know, even after I die, I will haunt you if you do anything to William and Mary Gymnastics. Uh, and and, and other, other people don't. So the, the, those are one of the things we're trying to figure out. We're doing some stuff with coaching contracts um, that we're, we're, the, the, our directory is going to be updated about every day. About every other day, I filed a request for, for everyone that will let me, um, and we'll, we'll we'll keep sharing that. Was that was that all the, the big stuff we had here from this week? Beyond all the other things that we ended up writing and doing on Connect and publishing every other every other day. Well, I, I think there's there's a lot coming on Connect. You know, like you mentioned, we're talking with you know we have uh, just had an interview in terms of softball and some of the bigger storylines with that sport starting up this week. Uh, baseball coming up next week, and uh, you know talking with Kendall Rogers at D1 uh, Baseball. So uh, a lot going on with that. You're, st- you're speaking with school presidents. Um, you know, we we got ADs on. We've got um, people getting hired left and right. Uh, talking with with about their gigs and, and what they are doing uh, in their new rules, how they're hiring people. I uh, just had uh, our first institutional client uh, with uh, that signed up for Collegiate Sports Connect at, at USC. So a lot going on on that side of the business. And then, like I said, at, at the top, you know, D1 Ticker, every, every Friday we'll put out a, our list of kind of the top 10 most read stories uh, on those new le- newsletters for the, the prior week. And um, it, it's always insightful because um, a lot of stories like that we've just been talking about, um, you know, other administrators, other media members, other fans, you know, are, are interested in, in seeing more about it. And uh, I think that's why not only do they subscribe to the D1 ticker, but uh, they come here to this right here, this podcast uh, to get some insight from you and me. That's right. I, it, it's, I feel like you and I make so much stuff. There's five of these newsletters. There's two of these podcasts. There's a bunch of stuff on Connect, but there's so much happens because there's, there's just so many, so many dang schools. We can't necessarily devote all the energy to every single thing. So I, I would, I would definitely recommend for all of you. One, D1 Ticker is free. Um, it is the most. It is one of the few emails that I open up every single time, and I did that well before they became my employer, just because it's the best clipping service. Um, if you, if, if 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 there is something that happened in a small market, I wouldn't find out about it from Twitter. I would find out about it from from the ticker. So I would encourage you to go to D1 Ticker and subscribe if you're not there already. I will add a couple of, of uh, some of the Connect videos in our show notes when this goes up on Friday. Um, I, I talked with uh, one of our, our friends, Extra Point Reader, uh, law professor at Boise State, who helped uh, ex- kind of explain the National Labor Relations Board uh, complaint out of California, which we didn't even talk about, which is a, a pretty massive story. I have uh, another video from this week about um, roster management in the transfer portal and college hockey, which is a world that I didn't really know a whole lot about. So I talked to folks that at the Rochester Institute of Technology. I am also speaking to uh, President Casey at uh, Colgate. Uh, we'll see if that gets in the in the show notes there or not, but if not, you'll be able to find it on Connect. That's also free. Um, I'll throw, throw in a link to, to uh, Collegiate Sports Connect in the show notes as well. Um, last note, uh, in case any of you are listening here uh, would be interested, I am hitting the road next week. I'm going to Phoenix. 
Uh, I'm going to be in Phoenix for probably 72 hours. I'm writing uh, about a certain athletic department out there. But if you're in the neighborhood, uh, you want to some say hello or want me to come swing by, uh, drop me a note. I'm at matt at extrapointsmb.com. I am very excited to get some vitamin B. Um, I have not seen the sun in nine days <laughs> and it sucks. Um, so, you know, I, I, will, I plan to be a serious professional journalist. I'm going to see a college baseball game. I'm also going to get in and out and I'm going to be in the sun for a little while. It's going to be pretty great. Soak it up, my friends. Soak it up. That's right. My friends. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks. If you enjoy the show, uh, send us nice things about us on whatever podcast platform of your choice. Buy some Hopefield stuff. Five stars. None of that three-star best kicker crap. Five or nothing. Nice nice things only. Good vibes only. Apple, Spotify, subscribe to Extra Points, extrapointsnb.com, uh, and clothe your children in clothes from Hopefield Apparel. Uh, that way we can pay our mortgages. Thanks for uh, tuning in, everybody. We'll catch up with you on the internet next week.